Today is a special day. We come to the conclusion of a series that we've been, uh, where we've been talking about Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Say, Sermon on the Mount. The Word of God, we believe, is alive and powerful, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Amen? So we are thankful for God's Word, and in, in these weeks we are so thankful that Jesus' teachings uh, we believe remain relevant and true today. <laughs> he taught it all the way back then, but they're still relevant. It makes a difference for your life and mine today. So Jesus has spoken many words to us concerning almost every area of life in these past weeks and months we've been looking at. Relational wholeness, emotional and spiritual wellness. And if, if you want to live a life on the rock, a life of wisdom and unshakability, we talked about last week, uh, we are to listen to the words of Jesus and put them into practice. Jesus is the one that brings hope. In him we belong to his family. In him we find the purpose for our lives. And I pray, we all pray, that as we become part of this church family, that hope, belonging, and purpose will rise to the surface in our lives. Amen? I don't know about you, but how many know that this nation and this city needs hope? Amen? And they need to know that they can, they can belong to a greater, something greater than their, themselves. And they need to know that they have a purpose. And so I pray that, that people, as, as they come to become members of the church, as they come and experience what God is doing here, that they will find that. I asked us last week to choose one area from the Sermon on the Mount that we want to begin practicing what Jesus taught. And the Lord is constantly challenging me to stop and make space to be generous with people. Say generous. You know, sometimes we're so busy, we got to go to the next thing, and God is constantly saying, slow down, look at the person in front of you, talk to them, love on them, be generous to them. Uh, this week uh, I was coming home, and as I was driving home, um, my family was walking away from my home. <laughs> uh, my wife Amy had taken the kids and the baby, and they were strolling around the neighborhood, and, uh, and I was like, oh, this is great. And they were all happy to see me. And, and uh, they were taking something somewhere. They said, well, we're, taking, we're taking brownies and cookies to the fire station down the road. And uh, I've never done that before. I didn't know you could just do that. But that's what we were doing on that day. And so to make a long story short, we got to the fire station. I just joined them. I drove there. <clears throat> Bless God. And I said to my family, I'll see you guys when you get there. And no, I'm just kidding. Everybody jumped in the car, and we, we, we got there. And when we got there, uh, we said, you know, we opened the, the, the fire uh, fighter guy, <clears throat> opened the door and came out and said, oh, can I help you guys? And, and, and Amy said, oh, we, have, we made some brownies and cookies for you. And they were like, wow, thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. And, and uh, he was like, thank you, you know, for your generosity. Thanks for opening up, for blessing us. Hey, can I, I can show the kids the station. And so he opened up the, the doors to the garage, and the kids sat in the fire truck. He turned on the fire truck, and I said, whoa, wait a second, buddy. Uh, not too long. He's like, yeah, hey, I can do the lights. He put the lights on and all this stuff, and, and he showed us everything. And it was at the end of it, it was like, wow, this is so cool. And I was reminded, you know, when we're generous with people, something happens in people's hearts, and gen generosity spreads. Did you know that? When, we when you're generous with someone or you receive generosity, there's something inside of you that kind of wants to overflow that. Just this morning, 
I was carrying some bottled water uh, for, our, for our team, for our worship team. And I was coming in, and a couple of guys approached me and asked, you know, for either for money or just to see if they can get something. And I said, hey, you know what? Here's what I can offer you. I can offer you this bottled water. And so, so worship team, they took all of your bottled waters this morning. Uh, but we we had more, and so we probably stole from Sister Ida's water uh, a little bit. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's a funny thing that happened. One of them received the water, the, the bottle of water, and someone else came over and said, "Hey, can I have one too?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry, those are all the ones that I have." But the guy that I just given given one had another bottle with him, and he said, "Here, I'll give you, I'll give you my my my, you know what I what I have." Name and everyone said. And I thought Amen. to myself, you know, Amen. it's an amazing Amen. generosity breeds generosity. <laughs> there's something, there's something about it. And so God's been challenging uh, that uh, in that area with me this morning. Uh, what area is God challenging you? I encourage you, and I would ask you, if you want to, let me know kind of what areas God is putting in your heart concerning the Sermon on the Mount. I would encourage you to either find me on Facebook and send me a message and say, hey, Pastor, this is what, I'm, what, I'm, what God is putting in my heart. You can also email me at lewis at heartandsoulchurch.com. It's our email here. If you want to get that information outside, you can. Amen? So diving into what the Lord has for us today, I remember that as a child, my siblings and I would argue about a lot of things. Can I get an amen? Um, we would argue over which toy belonged to who, argue about who gets to ride shotgun. <laughs> and frankly, we argue about the silliest things that you can imagine. And often you would hear us say, give that back or get out of my chair or you need to do this or that or the other. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, maybe growing up if you had siblings, yeah. There was one phrase, though, that caught all of our attention. Whenever we heard it, it at least made us pause and stop. Whenever we would hear these words, Daddy said, we would pause. Wait a second. Wait, wait. Daddy said. There was, there were several reasons why we would stop when we would hear Daddy said. If Daddy said to do something, then it was different than my brother or sister saying I had to do it. Can I get an amen? amen. Uh, you know why? Because my daddy had authority in my life. Say authority. Listen, listen, and I'm not going to be moved by what my Jesus. siblings say I need to do. But if daddy said it, he had something that none of my siblings growing up had in the house. He had authority. Say authority. These days, of course, I'm the man of my house. And so when I need to go somewhere or I need to do something, all I need to do is say, honey, is it okay if I do this? <laughs> but here's, here's the thing about marriage. In marriage, we willingly submit to one another's authority, don't we? The scripture says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we give each other authority to speak into each other's lives. But we would, my siblings and I would pause. Daddy said, you know what I'm talking about. Not sure what circumstances you grew up with, but growing up, we all had some form of authority in our house. And let me just say this too. It's a tragic thing that so many authority figures, listen, misuse their authority for selfish or worse evil purposes. So when you have you an authority figure that misuses or abuses that authority, that's what, there's something inside of us that revolts. It goes against the very nature of God because God wants to use authority to bless and to, to extend grace and to lift us up, never to put us down. 
Some of us experience what having good authority figures was, and we learn how to respect and listen to that voice because they have a, they had authority over us. I remember my dad when he was young telling us a story about how when, when he was graduating from high school, my dad was graduating from high school, nobody could get him to shave. And my dad graduated in a time, it was kind of sort of hippie time, you know. Everybody had like the long hair and the, and so even in Puerto Rico people did that. And so um, my dad was graduating from high school and he had this kind of beard, teenage beard thing going on. You know, he was trying. And, uh, and his mom and his dad and others were trying to get him to shave, and he would not do it. But my dad tells a story that right before graduation, he goes over to his uncle's house, and this particular uncle was respected by everyone in the family. He was the warden of the jail in Puerto Rico. Need I say more? You didn't mess with uncle. So my dad, you know, he's about to graduate. Yeah, nobody's going to tell me what to do. You know, he goes into the house, and my uncle looks at him, and he just says, here's the shaving cream, and here is the razor. Go upstairs and do what you need to do. And my dad said, in his, you know, he, was, he had told everybody no. He said he looked at him, and he just said, yes, uncle. <laughs> and he went, and he shaved, and everyone was happy. Do you know that what he had that no one else had over my dad? He had the A word. What is it? He had authority. You, didn't, you did not mess with uncle. Today, we turn our attention to the final two verses in this Sermon on the Mount. It's not what Jesus says this time, but a reaction to his words that is fascinating. And here we open up in the, uh, as you have your notes there, the title of today's message is, Who Has Authority in Your Life? When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had Say it again, nice and loud. And not as their teachers of the law. He taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. So we're going to dive into a couple of ideas here together, if we can do that, to learn a little bit about what this means, and then we'll, we'll think about how we can apply it into our own lives. Is that okay this morning? And here's a thought that I want to leave with you. It's, it, I'm going to say it again several times, but here's a thought that if you don't remember anything else I tell you, I want you to remember this. The one who gave his life for you can be trusted to have authority over you. The one who gave his life for you can be trusted to have authority over you. And some of you who are uh, obsessive compulsive about filling in the notes, you see that that is a, a note there at the bottom. I will say it again, uh, FYI. But I want you to, to be thinking about that. Uh, the first thing I want to notice here is that when Jesus had finished saying these things, here's what I want you to know. Jesus finished his sermons. Can I get an amen? You know, at some point, he would just end and stop. <laughs> um, you can start praying that in a little bit. You know, if I get too long, you can say, Pastor, please follow the example of Jesus. Finish your sermon. Amen? But one of the things I want to, you know, sometimes Jesus taught some things, but there came a point where he ended his sermons. And here's what I, I, I want to talk to you about. Uh, as well. And this is a, the, the line that says, ideas or principles taught by an authority is the definition of a word named teaching. Teaching. And ha that's your first feeling. Teaching is ideas or principles taught by an authority. And the scripture says, when Jesus has finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Say teaching. You know, somebody teaches something that they know. 
It would be a sad thing to go to a math class and be taught by someone who did not know what they were talking about when it comes to math. I've experienced classes like that. <laughs> Do you know what you're talking about? Uh, teaching is ideas or principles taught by an authority. So Jesus was doing teaching. Here's the next feeling. The countercultural teachings of Jesus amaze anyone who takes the time to truly listen. The countercultural teachings of Jesus amaze anyone who takes time to truly listen. The response from the people was amazement. No one had spoken like this man before. No other authority figure spoke like Jesus did. He was the Son of God. The son, when the Son speaks, it's like, unlike any other voice that you would hear. His words are life and powerful. Their reaction by his hearers was amazement. Jesus' words made an impression on anyone who listened. Jesus' words should leave us amazed. His teaching should amaze us. I mean, Jesus would ta teach radical things like, you have heard that you should not commit adultery. That makes sense. It's sensible. Don't sleep with someone you're not married to. That makes perfect sense. But Jesus would not stop there. He says, no, no, no. But here's, I want to go deeper than that. Jesus would say, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. The teachings of Jesus were countercultural. Say countercultural. He went deeper. He went further than what we would think is sensible or okay. Jesus' words stunned and amazed the people that he taught. They should stun and amaze us. Just a couple of words on authority to define that word. And it's there in your feelings. Authority is defined as the power to give orders or make decisions. The power or right to direct or control someone or something. And it's the confident quality of someone who knows a lot about something or who is respected or obeyed by other people. And so uh, Amy and I have been working on our finances. And so we're learning from a gentleman who has helped millions of people get out of debt. And one of the reasons why he has authority is because there was a time when he was broke and bankrupt and Uh, people were calling him to make his credit card payments. Can I get an amen? <laughs> And at some point he says, this is crazy. This is not the way that God wants us to live. So he changed around his life. And now he is very successful with finances. And so I listen to him because he has authority on the subject. Amen? Be careful who you listen to. <laughs> I want to take marriage advice from people who have been married for a very long time. Let me just say this also. I want to take marriage advice from people who've been married for a long time and are happy. We've been together for 50 years. I remember I saw an interview from a couple that had been married forever. And they asked her, you know, what's the secret to you being together? And, and the lady, uh, did you guys ever talk about divorce? And they said, never. We never discussed divorce. We never crossed our minds to divorce. Murder crossed our minds plenty of time, but not divorce. <laughs> I want to talk to someone who, you know, marriage, but for those who aren't married, you know, uh, I, I heard this in a, a note the other day. A talk the other day. You know, marriage is, is not utopia. It's not perfection. We, we get married and we, we live happily ever, right? So that's what we think because we watch Cinderella. We go to Disney. We see that. That's why, how it works with them. It should work like that with us. But really, marriage is, 
still full of all the conflict, all the trials in this world. But guess what? You get to do all of that together. You get to walk together with someone. And you get to work it out. And you get to dream together. And so it's still tough. Love you, honey. It's still hard, but you get to do it together with someone. Amen? I want to talk to someone who has authority on that subject. Who are you or I listening to? There is a difference if I tell you what it takes to be a great basketball player. Robert, come on. I'm going to show you how to ball, man. Versus, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get a hoop up here next time. We'll do, you know, we'll see. We'll see what kind of skills you got. It's different if I try to tell him how to play basketball versus if LeBron James shows up and says, hey, Robert, I want to teach you something. LeBron, when it comes to basketball, has what? Authority. He's the best player in the world right now. Not best ever, but just right now. Tiger Woods on golf, Serena Williams on tennis, Tom Brady on football. Picasso in painting, C.S. Lewis in writing. We listen to these people because they have authority. Say authority. Here's the next villain. The countercultural words of Jesus have the authority, you guessed it, that comes from being both the only sinless human in history as well as the very Son of God. I'm going to read that again. The countercultural words of Jesus have the authority that comes from being both the only sinless human in history as well as the very Son of God. Listen, his words, his teachings are different. The words of Jesus, they had an ingredient that no other teacher had. He had a weight to his words unlike any other. He taught as one who had authority. They had authority on the subject. People listen differently when someone has authority. How about in life? You know, that's cool in basketball and with tennis and in painting or, or, or writing. But how about who has authority in life to speak to us? The only one that has lived a sinless life who's done it right is Jesus. Who has authority to speak into your life? Who are you allowing to have authority, the power, the right to help direct your life? And here's a, a, something I thought about. Over here, for those who are over here, you, you can't see it. But I, there's a door here, okay? There's a door to a closet. There's a famous scripture in the Bible that where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and, and knock. And Jesus says, If anyone opens the door, I will come in and I will sit down and have a meal with them and they with me. I will sit with you and I will counsel you. I will talk with you. And here's a thought that I had. Who is of your life because Jesus knocks but you know what I found that there are other things that knock as well <laughs> and it's an interesting thing that Jesus knocks on the door sometimes maybe sometimes we open the door maybe sometimes we run and hide and pretend there's no one home you ever do that with people that, that come right don't turn the lights on we don't want anybody to know we're here right but could it be that sometimes other things are knocking at the door and we open the door to them and we allow them to come and sit and we listen to them? Now, it can be sinful things like greed and envy and lust. Jealousy knocks at the door. Oh, look at them. And I wish I had what they... You open the door and you allow jealousy to come in. 
or you open the door. Look, I wish I had that. I wish you coveting, desiring, lusting. You open the door and you allow that to come in. And here's my thought. Whatever in your life and mine that we open the door to and we allow to sit with us has authority in our lives. And so somebody says, I don't understand why I'm struggling with lust or this addiction or this issue. I don't understand why I'm always angry. It's because every time that anger or violent, uh, violent attitude or violent acts knock, you open the door and you let them come in. And maybe when Jesus knocks, you just hide and no, 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 no. Jesus is saying, no, no, listen. My words are life. My words are, are eternal. When I knock... I want you to open up the door. And if you will open up the door and allow me to have authority, say authority, I will start speaking life into you. I will start doing things in you that you could never have imagined. But my encouragement to you, loved ones, is when other things knock up the door trying to have authority over your life, say in Jesus' name, no. I talked about the three little pigs last week, right? What, what, you know, what is it, the little refrain, right? Little pigs, let me in, right? What do they say? Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. So, hey, I know that sounds silly, but I want to encourage you. When lust or greed or jealousy or anger or violence or unforgiveness or depression or oppression are knocking at the door, say, I'm not going to let you in by the hair of my chinny chin chin, so help me, God. But when, listen, here's a cool thing. When Jesus comes in and he's sitting down with you, and lust and envy and greed knock at the door but Jesus is hanging with you there is some strength that happens inside of you that you just know you're in the you're with Jesus you're you're fellowshipping with the one and so you don't need to open the door to anything else you don't need something else to give you life because he's there with you he is your strength and so he makes he gives you the power say power to say no there is power in the name of Jesus May Jesus have the authority in your life and mine. Jesus proves his love, his worth for you to open the door. Here's how he proves it, by dying on the cross for us. He stretched out his arms. He died on the cross. He bled real blood by dying on the cross for us. The cross, here's the next feeling, is the unmistakable symbol of loving sacrifice by the one that should have ultimate authority in your life and mine. The cross is the unmistakable symbol of loving sacrifice by the one, Jesus, that should have ultimate authority in your life. And here's that line again. The one who gave his life for you can be trusted to have authority over you. The one who gave his life for you can be trusted to have authority over you. So a couple of, of next steps and things I'm going to encourage you to do and then we'll pray and and finish. Here's some next steps. The first one is this. Decide. Decide that from this day on, Jesus will be the primary authority in your life. When Jesus, I'm going to encourage you, open the door and let him in. Listen, listen. Even if your house is a mess, even if you're not dressed right, even if you don't smell right, when Jesus comes into my home and my life, he does the best cleaning job 
possible. But he will not do it unless I open up the door and allow him in. We have a lady that helps us every once in a while clean our house. And one of the things that we've worked out is that, you know, whenever she needed to come to the house, we needed to be in the house so that we can open up the house for her. Can I get an amen? You get it? Because he can't get in if the house is not open for her. At some point, we say, you know what? She does such a great job, and we trust her. Instead of her calling us and, and us arranging this and having to be here to open up the door, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give her a key so that whenever she wants to come and it, we schedule for her to come, she can just come and come in and do her thing. And it's amazing. Sometimes we get home after she's been there. It's just like, ah, right? It's wonderful. You know, uh, Amy and I and the kids, you know, we, we can clean the house, but there's just something there's an anointing on somebody else cleaning your house. Amen? <laughs> oh, there's some, something about it. Listen, listen. Here's my encouragement to you. Give Jesus the keys. He, he wants to knock and he wants to. But if you give him the keys, then you say, Jesus, you can come by anytime you want. And the cool thing about Jesus is that when you're in your worst moments in your life and you're on the floor of your home could it be that in those moments because you've given Jesus access he can come in and he can stand next to you and he can cry with you and pray with you amen allow Jesus decide that from this day on Jesus will be the primary authority in your life the second thing is allow the Holy Spirit to transform you through the power of Jesus's words allow the Holy Spirit to transform you through the power of Jesus' words. They're not just to-dos. They're not just moral laws. There's, it's a lifestyle. If you allow Jesus to come in, he will give you his spirit to give you the strength to do what he's calling us to do. Because it's countercultural. Say, Holy Spirit. And we ask the Holy Spirit to fall afresh on us, to give us the strength that we cannot have on our own. We're going to pray in one second. And I'm going to pray specifically for these two decisions. To decide from this day on and to allow the Holy Spirit. And we're going to pray for that together. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we, we, we declare this morning that we are going to decide from this day on that you, Jesus, will be the primary authority in our lives. There are some here who've been opening up the door to their house to everything and anything, and it's brought pain, it's brought sorrow, it's brought depression or oppression to them. We say, no more in Jesus' name. And we choose by faith. We have decided to follow you. We've decided to open up the door to you, Jesus. Take authority in our lives. Oh, Jesus, have your way. And if that's your prayer, just tell him. Even now, just say, Lord, take authority. Forgive me for allowing other things that are not pleasing to you to take authority in my life. No, in Jesus' name, you are the authority from this day on. Your words, your life, your love. And Father, we continue to pray, and we, we want to tell you that we, we open up our hearts. We want to allow your Holy Spirit to transform us through your words, through your authority, your loving sacrifice for us. Holy Spirit, come. And just tell them, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. It's God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's all God in three persons. It's all part of Him. There's nothing uh, weird or scary about it. So just say, Holy Spirit, 
Come into my heart. Fill me today. Empower me today. And Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives and in this church. May this week be a week where we submit to your authority by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.